everybody says it different. You got Takeom and Takom. Meng and Mung, I don't want to say Mung. It makes me feel dirty. It just makes me feel dirty. And then, and then Italeri, Italeri, Italeri. I've heard it all three ways. I don't know. Hi there, everybody. This is Scott, and welcome to episode four of the Plastic Posse podcast. As always, we have a great episode planned for you. We're going to go over our listener feedback, do some kit reviews, all the normal stuff, and we have another exciting Plastic Posse podcast guest coming up. As always, I am really lucky to be joined by two excellent modelers and all-around good dudes. First of all, we have our official Lucasfilm consultant, Doug Smith. Hey, man, how you doing? Hi, guys. I build models. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes there's like Star Wars models. So I guess Lucasfilm, they, yeah, I'm waiting for him to reach out still. <laughs> We're expecting a letter from their lawyers any, any day now. <laughs> Once again, also joining us from his underground lair somewhere near our nation's capital, we have our painting sorcerer, TJ Holler. How you doing, TJ? Never been better. And uh, as per my, I guess, ritual now, I'm sitting here in my unfinished basement with my awesome cat, Kylo, sitting in my lap. I'm ready to get into this. I think you like that cat. I think you're going to have to keep him. Yeah, he's all right. Until <laughs> <laughs> he, he starts knocking models off the shelves. Yeah. He doesn't mean to do it, I hope. <laughs> oh, they're cats, dude. All right, TJ, go ahead. All right. So I just want to remind our listeners to tune in and listen to our sister scale modeling podcast on the bench, Plastic Mojo and Scale Model Podcast. These are great podcasts and we're all huge fans. Also, a reminder to support the Golden Sprue Awards over at www.goldensprueawards.com. Warren Starrett has put together a way for modelers to nominate and vote for their favorite new kits in several different genres, plus other categories like best paint, best aftermarket, etc. I believe the nomination phase is over, but in October, it will be time to actually vote for your favorites. Voting is open between October 4th and October 30th. As Scott mentioned, we have a great show lined up, including our very special guest, Anthony Goodman from Goodman Models. I was just going to say, I'm I'm, uh, I'm really excited about our, our sister podcasts. I've been listening to all of them in their recent episodes. All of them are really, really good. Um, just a lot of fun to listen to and hear their perspective on stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. On the bench, the 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 small details, I think they called it. Um, Ian kind of led that segment and talked about, you know, super detailing, scratch building, just any of, any way that you can bring your models up to looking a lot better. And Plastic Model Mojo, they did uh, the Mythical T34. That's a great episode. And did you guys hear the Scale Model podcast, Anthony's uh, interview with uh, Katie, who works in uh, Hollywood as a special effects modeler? Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Excellent. Such a great interview. So plug everybody, go listen to those podcasts. You're going to really, really like them. Doug, did we get any hobby shop shout outs? We sure did. We got a couple of them. Ethan Idenmill, he's the webmaster at IPMS San Diego. Um, he said, I want to give a shout out to my local hobby store here in San Diego, Discount Hobby Warehouse. Woohoo! 
They have a great selection of kits, tools, and even aftermarket accessories. Thanks. We got another shout out from Jim Bates. Uh, Hi, guys. I'm enjoying the show. We're lucky here in Seattle because we have a true all-plastic hobby shop in Renton called Skyway Model Shop. It's a great place. They also have a Gundam-only store called International Model Toys in Seattle proper. Forgot to say, long-suffering Habs fan. For those of you who don't know, the Habs are the Montreal Canadiens, the uh, hockey team from Montreal. I'm glad he's a Canadiens fan and he didn't say he was like a Red Wings fan or something like that because, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. Sorry, all you Detroit fans. I'm sorry. I'm sort of. Not really sorry. Um, we got a shout out from Sunny Sai. Hey, Doug. Hey, hey, before we move on to that, I just want to say Jim Bates, uh, who just gave us that feedback you read, he's a good friend of the podcast. He also has his own uh, YouTube channel called The Scale Canadian, and uh, it's a lot of fun. If you guys have a little bit of time and you want to watch a a YouTube channel that is uh, full of humor and always focused at least a little bit on modeling, you should check it out. I've watched a few. He's good. He's really fun. Sunny Sai. Hello, congratulations on the launch of your new podcast. I'm just listening to your first episode, giving a shout out to my local hobby shop. This idea is a great idea, as guilty as I am, ordering online quite a bit. A regular trip to my local and nearby hobby shop is still quite a treat for me. Some days I want to go and be surrounded by all the kits and model related products. I also want to make it a point to check hobby shops whenever I visit a new city. So Sonny actually has a Facebook group called My LHS. It's all about helping people find the local hobby stores in their area. Awesome. That's a good thing to know. And everybody check that out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Sounds cool. We want to thank everybody for your shout outs and please keep them coming. We really enjoy this and we like to know what's going on in your area. Did we get any other listener feedback? Yeah, we got a couple. Actually, from the same guys that shouted out the, uh, the hobby shops, Ethan Idenmill. Uh, So far, it's really good. I'm glad to have a podcast that has more focus on sci-fi modeling, since that is one of my triumvirate of genres, along with ships and armor. He said triumvirate. It's like a pentavirate, but it's triumvirate. That's cool. Uh, Okay, and then we got one from Nathan Hunt. Good morning, gents. My name is Nathan, and I'm from Sydney, Australia. I've binged through your two latest episodes, and I'm thoroughly enjoying them. Keep up the good work. I have a I have a theory. We seem to have a little <laughs> bit less feedback from episode three than we did from episode two. I was expecting kind of a flurry of feedback after a couple of uh, TJ's strong takes, but I think he <laughs> shocked all our listeners and they didn't know what to write. What do you think? That's my theory. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds let's, right. <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to the posse, guys. Thanks for the feedback. Keep it coming. Remember, you can drop it on our uh, Plastic Posse Podcast Facebook page. That's where we like it. We're trying to build a community there. We have a lot of fun stuff that we post there. We have people that post pictures of their builds, and we, all three of us, uh, post uh, fun things that we think our audience will enjoy, as well as updates of our own projects. So uh, you can leave your feedback there. If email's more your speed, you can always email us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. But like I said, I think uh, we really prefer if we just kind of keep that all on the Facebook page and uh, have some fun. Thanks a lot for doing that, everybody. Before we get into current projects, let's talk about what have you guys uh, picked up? Anything uh, new that you picked up that you're excited about, TJ? Well, I ordered 
or I feel models uh, T3485. I, I haven't gotten it yet. I should be getting it. Uh, we're recording this on a Saturday, 26th. I think I should get it Tuesday in the mail. I'm really looking forward to it. I've never built a T34 before, but I love them. They're they're an awesome tank. So, and I really like Ryfield models. Uh, I've been impressed with all the kits of I've seen and the ones of theirs that I have. So, looking forward to your review of that. Yeah. Anything else, TJ? As far as new stuff goes, not really. I'm trying to think. I've actually kind of I haven't really been buying a whole lot lately. I've been trying to clear out some of my backlog. <laughs> Said no model ever. <laughs> That's classic. Doug, what do you have that's new? If you all listen to episode three, in that episode, TJ challenged me to uh, try Warhammer figures. So I ordered the Chaos Space Marines Havocs. It's a set of five. They're very detailed for their size. And I've ordered those. I've gotten them. I actually put them all together. Probably did a little too much assembly, you know, for the painting I need to do. But I've got them primed and ready to go. I'm very excited about that. I've also picked up some more AK weathering pencils. I've used a couple of them and I liked them, but there's a lot of practice that I need. So I got a few more. So I've got a kind of a variety, some more washes and tints from um, MIG. So very cool. More uh, keeping uh, adding uh, to the arsenal of weathering products and different things to try. That's great. Yeah. And I got more to me extra thin, even though I've got lots of it because. You can never have too much to me extra thin. That's true. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, anything else new, Doug? No, I, that's about it. Um, I've got so much work going on around the house that uh, I don't think about modeling as much as I'd like to. Yeah, that's not good. Well, I uh, I also picked up some Chaos Space Marines. I got a set of 10 of them, and uh, I'm just going to kind of continue to listen to TJ Coach Doug and follow up on that. I also uh, picked up a little Primaris uh, Captain, and I'm going to kind of work on, I know they're all different chapters. I don't know what they do, but I think I'm going to paint them all pretty consistently. I really like the um, Space Marines that look like knights, and I know there's different chapters and all that kind of stuff, but those are the ones I like. So I, I, I did pick those up. And um, then I also picked up a little 148 scale Tamiya uh, Crusader 3 uh, that I plan on uh, building as well. So that's what I've uh, picked up. As far as uh, projects on our bench, I have wrapped up, finally put it out of its misery, the little uh, USS uh, Shenzhou, that little uh, decaling project that I had. I'll post some pictures on the Facebook page and let you guys uh, pick at it, see what you think. I had an Italeri posing as a Tamiya Crusader 3 in 135th scale that we'll kind of talk about later on. Uh, that was a little bit of a disaster. I haven't <laughs> finished my uh, my Bandai X-Wing yet. I need to put that in the, the weathering shop and uh, take some oils to it. And then I've been building a couple of little uh, Tau figures again to uh, start uh, figure painting, uh, things like that. So what's on your bench, Doug? Well, actually, like Scott, everybody, everybody give a round of applause for Scott. He finished a kit. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> I finished a kit too. And that was the Astrid Militarium Lehman Russ battle tank by the Warhammer 40K tank. 
I've been working on it for months. It was given to me by my son. He wanted me to build it for him, which means I was in no rush to finish it because <laughs> I was doing it as a favor. But I got it. I got it wrapped up. I was actually had a lot of fun because normally my weathering goes as far as just using artist oils, and I've never actually done uh, filters and and the actual weathering products like that. I used the AK weathering pencils and I used the MIG filters, and I had a blast using it. I I it was it was a good time. So that's on the bench, but done completed out of out of you know. Off my list, I've got that Tamiya EZ8 35th scale uh, uh, Sherman EZ8 that I'm kind of I've kind of stopped for a little bit. I'm looking to get some masks for my wheels, and I've got those Chaos Space Marines. Awesome! That's what I've got going on. TJ, what about you? Um, let's see. I finished a squad of Space Marine Eradicators uh, last weekend. That's really all I've finished. Finished. Um, I've been working on a, a million things. I built some things. I built another Invictor Tactical Warsuit. I built a Dreadnought. I built a bunch of, uh, well, I think they were already done. I've been working on the Sisters of Battle for the Miniac charity auction for the charity army. So I think I got three out of the 10 done. I got to get it done within the next couple of days, which I think I'll be able to get most of them done tomorrow. And whatever I don't finish tomorrow, I can finish on Monday. That's kind of coming down to the wire, isn't it? Yeah, that's typically what I do. That's what most of us do. None of us are the other modelers ever do that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I do it. What were those Space Marines called? Which ones? The ones you your work the the ones you finished. Oh, e, uh, eradicators. Eradicators, man. Space Marines just don't sound like very nice guys. No, eradicators, <laughs> havocs, and I mean, come on, man. Got to put a little love in your heart. <laughs> think that their their pauldrons on their shoulders have big peace logos <laughs> all right uh, why don't we just move into the uh, kit review section just a reminder one of our listeners actually suggested that we did an initial round um, in episode three hopefully uh, that was good to listen to and fun and we're going to kind of continue on here Doug, why don't you start us off? Uh, what kit are you going to review today? I'm going to review the kit I mentioned back in episode one. I'd started a Gundam kit. It's the uh, Gundam Hell Custom, the Hella Good. Isn't that what HG? It's the Gundam Death Scythe H. It's by Bandai. That's, uh, I guess, in uh, 100th scale. I'm looking at, yeah, 100th scale. It's from Endless Waltz, I believe. Anyhow, um, I just did some minor assemblies, and I like it, but at the same time, every almost every leg piece, the feet piece, the arm pieces, all are going to require some filling and sanding. Maybe I did something wrong, but it just it just it's going to take a lot of work to get it clean as I would want it before I start painting it. I like it; it's fun, but I don't like filling and sanding. I mean, I feel about feeling and sanding the way Scott feels about decals. I said decals. I said I'd never say decals, but decals. So anyway, that's how I feel about it. I hate doing it. So that's, you know, I stick to kits that don't require a lot of it. I don't mind minor sanding, but, but you know, big gaps and stuff just bug me. So if I was to rate this out of a, a one to five stars, I would give it probably a two mostly for the filling that's required. It's it's not that it fits poorly. It just requires some filling. 
how are you going to build it? Are you going to just pretty much do it out of the box or do you have something special planned? Or um, I'm going to weather the heck out of this thing. I, I don't, I, I don't really enjoy a clean machine. It just doesn't appeal to me, especially since let's face it, Gundam, they're silly. You just look at them. This, this thing's got massive bat wings on it too. So if I make them shiny and stuff, it's just going to look weird to me. So I'm going to chip them up. I'm going to weather them up. It's going to be rusted out and ugly. And I think that'll make it look better, at least to me. That's awesome. Put that put that weathering gravy all over that thing. That's going to be cool. TJ, what are you going to review uh, for us this time? So I picked up, and I forgot to mention it when I talked about my new kits. I picked up a little 172nd scale. They call it the Steel Beast. It's the tank from... Indiana Jones is the last crusade, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And it's made by retro kits SF or retro SF. They're, um, I, I've seen it both ways. Um, I think it's out of production. I'm not sure. I found it on eBay for a pretty good price. Um, and it's, a uh, is all resin cast. Cause it's like a garage kit. It even comes with a little Indiana Jones on horseback. So you can get, like recreate that scene uh, towards the end of the movie when they're chasing the tank, uh, through the desert. It's pretty cool. It's, you know, it's resin. So if if you don't have experience with resin, it, it would probably be difficult um, because you have to modify a lot to the two main pieces. So if you don't remember what the tank looks like, it's essentially a Mark 8 Liberty tank that they put like a Churchill type turret on top of. It's completely fictional it, and it doesn't even... It, it's not even based on a real tank. They built it on a tractor from what I understand. It's just made to look like one, you know, through movie magic. So the two halves, like the two rhomboid halves, you ha- they're identical and you, you on both sides. So you have to shave a lot of the detail off the one side. So the central hull will fit and it shows you what to remove in the instructions. Other than that, it doesn't look too difficult. It, it's one seventy second scale. So it is small. The top runner tracks is molded onto the rhomboids and the curved and the bottom pieces are all separate little tiny pieces of resin, which is nice because you get the maximum amount of detail. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm looking, it's probably going to jump up in my build queue because I've been eyeing this thing for a long time and I finally pulled the trigger on it. And like, like I mentioned previously, I love the last crusade. It's my it to me, in my opinion, it's the best Indiana Jones movie, and it's probably in my top five favorite movies. I love that movie and have since I was a kid. So it's a great movie. Sean Connery was so awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll since it's so small, I think I'll be able to build a little um not even like a vignette, but just like a little base for it to sit on, you know, trundling through the desert. I don't know if I'm gonna do the Indiana Jones figure. I'll I'll see. I'll, I'll that's kind of second, you know, I'd rather just build the tank. We'll see. Um, I would probably give it, I'd say a four out of five because the, the casting quality is really crisp and it was made before 3d printing. So it was all hand sculpted. And for that, it's exceptionally crisp and the, it's well cast. So, but like I said, if you haven't built a, a garage resin kit in the past, I would probably start with something a little more simple because there's a ton of pieces to this thing and they're really tiny, but I'm really looking forward to it. So, well, as far as an interesting subject, I mean, I don't think you could get much cooler than that. 
That's a great tank. Lucasfilm did a really good job designing that. It, you know, the only con I would say that the kit has, it doesn't have the exploded um, barrel on the side like it did from the movie. When I can't, what did he shoved a, a rock he or something? I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, you know, it like like flower petals out. Yeah, it doesn't have that. Unfortunately, we can model it with a rock in it. Well, I thought about maybe even making one. It's like probably could. But I don't know. It's it's 170 seconds, so it's pretty tiny. Well, I am going to be a little greedy here. And uh, in the interest of public safety for all of our listeners, I'm going to do two reviews. And and before I start, um, anybody that knows me knows this, but Scott is a Tamiya apologist. <laughs> I build Tamiya kits all the time. Really, really like them. And it seems like almost anything they do is just excellent, whether it's a tool, whether it's a bottle of paint, whether it's, you know, thinner, just a huge fan. Uh, having said that, I did say most of what they do. One of the things they do that I don't personally like very much is they, uh, pr- they package other manufacturers' kits and put their logo and kind of their name on it. Now, they're not trying to hide anything. They do put the logo of whether it's a Tallery or Zvezda or ICM or these other companies that they're doing this with, they do put it on the box. And so you know what you're getting anyway. It, it, I'm just not crazy about it. A Tamiya kit should be a Tamiya kit. And the reason is, frankly, in my opinion, the engineering, the plastic quality of Tamiya kits is superior over just about anybody else out there. Um, and that's the reason why. I'm such a big fan of their kits. Anyway, I got seduced by the blue and red star on the top of a Crusader 3 and picked it up because, hey, a Tamiya Crusader 3. Well, I didn't look closely enough, and turns out it was the 35, 40-year-old Italeri kit of the 135th scale Crusader 3. And uh, recently, I had started that. If you look at our Facebook page, you'll see photos of what the two barrel halves look like. And and uh, frankly, that's what the entire kit was like. Anyway, long story short, nothing on this kit fits very well. And it, it looks, it, you know, exactly like what it is, which is a, a very, very old tooled kit. The plastic was a uh, soft quality. There are a couple of, uh, to me, a figure and equipment sprues in the box. But as far as the tank itself, it just wasn't very good. So Last night after fighting uh, with this thing for uh, the last couple of weeks, that uh, project has moved on. Uh, I think uh, Dave in episode two called it uh, the well of tears is the the garbage (laughs) bin where kits like that go to die. You know, when a project has reached the point where you realize that there's not going to be any more fun derived from continuing down the road with it. And so... Off it goes, and uh, we'll wait for the Border Models kit that we're all uh, excited about coming out. So that's uh, that's everybody's warning. Beware the quote-unquote Tamiya Italeri Crusader 3. What scale is that in? Uh, 135th scale. Okay. So having said that, having bashed on uh, my, you know, my favorite model manufacturer, I'm going to give it a chance to uh, redeem itself. My kit review uh, for this week or this episode is the Tamiya 135th scale SU-76M. Now, this is a little bit of an unusual subject uh, for some reason. It's a vehicle that I really, really like. I like uh, Russian World War II armor 
subjects anyway. But these uh, little vehicles were very popular, very numerous. In fact, the only vehicle the Russians had more of than these little SU-76Ms was the T-34 tank, which they had over 50,000 of. But the Russians had almost 12,000 of these. It's a little self-propelled gun. Uh, Some people might call it a tank destroyer. Um, mounting a 76 millimeter gun. It's an open top. The Tamiya kit is really, really good. Has uh, Lincoln length tracks and the fit uh, and the engineering on those is excellent. It's got a one piece barrel with a two piece muzzle brake that's really quite nice. And the figures that come with this kit are really, really good. In fact, if anybody's interested in this kit, if you ever pick one up, you will notice that one of the figures, the face has actually been sculpted to look like Vladimir Putin. And uh, I always kind of got a kick out of that. If you look at it, it's pretty unmistakable that that's uh, who that figure was modeled after. All right. Now I'm, I'm going to have to go grab that kid out of my stash and, and double check you on that because that yep. is very interesting. Yeah, double check it. You'll be you'll be surprised, I think. So uh, pros of this kit, the fit is incredible. The engineering, I mentioned the one piece barrel and the Lincoln length tracks, no rubber bands here. Um, it's got great kit design, excellent plastic. The texturing in the kit, as has been um, the case on most of Tamiya's recent releases, is really, really good. And I talked about the really nice figures that the kit comes with. Cons, the kit does have one con, and it's fairly common in Tamiya's open top armored vehicle kits. And that's there's ejector pin marks um, on some of the interior walls and interior surfaces that are going to need to be uh, addressed. And, you know, that's something that's not unusual to this kit. I, I think it's probably one of the the downsides to the way that Tamiya engineers their kits to be built. Most of the time they can hide those where you don't have to deal with them, but this one you're going to have to do some sanding and removing of those. But, you know, it's not a huge deal. Again, uh, the the one-piece barrel, the Lincoln Link tracks, it's really, really good. I'm going to give this kit overall a four and a half out of five. Um, even if you had never built an armor kit before, the fit on this and the engineering is good enough that you could do a great job. The Lincoln Link tracks are going to look terrific. The one-piece barrel is going to make a new builder shine. So it, it, it's you know a really great kit, whether you're a starter or whether you're an experienced builder. I'm going to put some 4BO on this little guy, build a small vignette base on it, and excited to build it. So, yeah, that's my review on the uh, SU, SU-76M and 135th scale by Tamiya. All right, that'll do it for our kit reviews. Thanks, guys. Um, next up, we've got Anthony Goodman from the Scale Model Podcast here to talk with us. Anthony owns Goodman Models, and he is an avid sci-fi modeler, and we dig that. So here we go with our interview with Anthony Goodman. Enjoy. We have Anthony Goodman um, from the Scale Model Podcast and also from Goodman Models. Uh, Welcome, Anthony. It's uh, great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. I've also got Doug and TJ with me on the line as well. So appreciate you guys uh, joining us for this. Yeah, of course. Here we are. Let's do this. Anthony, as you, as you well know, we're kind of new at this whole podcast thing, but yeah. uh, give us uh, give us a little feel what it's like working with that Madman Stewart up at Scale Model oh, Podcast. Stewart's awesome. 
So Stewart's like a machine, right? Like he's he's fantastic. He's very passionate. He's uh he's super knowledgeable and his enthusiasm is unrivaled. He really is giving it his all to try and make a great show and I wish I could be uh with him doing it more steadily. I recently stepped back a little bit. You know how it is. There's like a job I got to go to and kids and other other obligations that and I was just getting a little too crushed, but I'm still happy to be collaborating with him a little bit as much as I can on sort of the interview portions. Yeah, um, I noticed yeah. you were you were still going to be doing those, and he had he had mentioned that in the last episode. Anything uh, you want to talk about, or you need to keep that all under wraps as far as future interviews? I have well, there's man, I don't mind at all. Uh, I don't. I'll give you. Let me see if I can give you a a hint. There's a very cool interview coming up. It's going to be delving a little bit into movie magic in regards to models. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> that sounds great. And it's going to be, it's going to be very in depth and it's going to touch on some very famous sci-fi trilogies. Is that enough of a teaser? Oh man, oh, Doug. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Who kn- right. I'm in. Can anybody think of any amazing, uh, science fiction dynasty <laughs> dynasties out there that we want to hear about? It's going to, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, especially cause I know, uh, all three, all three of you guys are sci-fi builders. Is that oh, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. As well as the uh, the real world stuff, I like to call it. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> real world subjects. What was your favorite thing as far as when you were making the podcast with Stuart? What did you enjoy the most? Well, you know what, Stuart is a really. We had a lot of fun kind of developing the idea, right? Because it's one of those things when you're doing your own thing. I think you get a picture in your mind and you sort of work away at that right but then you're talking to somebody you're saying well what if you do this right like oh, you're, you you said this idea what if we kind of morph into that and Stuart was really awesome at kind of like running with an idea right so we started to structure the show to make it fun right and to and to touch on all the things that he wanted to touch on so he had a lot of ideas about how hey you know like this is not another how-to thing right we're not experts like that's there's people out there making books, doing videos that are crushing it. That's not his thing, right? He he wanted to investigate the industry and the people working in it and like how are these things made and who are these people that come up with these ideas and stuff like that. I was just kind of just along for the ride, right? So I'm thinking, all right, well, what can I do to kind of help him shape it to be that idea? And, and one of the things was he wanted to talk to more people, but he didn't really know kind of how or he was reaching out a little bit but i was like well, who do you want to talk to and he's like oh i want to talk to the people at the company and I said well let's call the president and like see if he'll chat with us and that worked a couple times and other times not so much but it's an ongoing process so i liked that process of like shaping this thing and we, we were starting to add the different segments and kind of like give it segments you know what i mean instead of like yep. let's just yip about whatever today it was like let's put it into pieces that we always want to talk because we're both tool nerds, right? We're, I was like, well, let's make a section and always talk about tools. And even if it's a minute or whatever, it's never a minute with Stu and I, but <laughs> yeah, I understand <laughs> for sure. Uh, so yeah. you did, you did a bunch of great interviews. Give us maybe one or two of your favorite interviews that you did as, and you might be doing as part of the scale yeah. model podcast. You know, they're all really neat. I, 
I gotta say, like I, I, I approach them from like a fanboy perspective, right? Like I kind of, I'm definitely reaching out to people that I really want to talk to and ask them stuff <laughs> about like my own projects. So I just try to make it general that, well, I hope I'm going to shape it in a way that I'm hoping other people will find it interesting too. Right. Uh, I really like talking to um, Scott Hards of Hobbling Japan. They're all really good though. It's, I don't want to play too many favorites, but I really enjoy talking to Lincoln Wright uh, of yeah, Paint on Plastic. Yep. Yeah. And you mentioned he, and he's a very, he's hilarious. <laughs> and, and I actually had never heard of Lincoln, which is, kind of nuts right because like he he was living in japan working with japanese model people i think we even we even lived there at the same i lived there briefly for i lived there for a year and he's obviously spent a lot more time there but when i talked to him it was just like wow we've done some of the same stuff i mean albeit him to a, a much higher level i caught him on on the bench i was like wow what's who's this guy like this is a, this is all the stuff i love right like and don't get me wrong i really enjoy you know aircraft real world subjects uh, i like armor uh like i'm trying to do some canadian subjects and I, i've got a couple american subjects in mind and um i just grew up like at a hobby shop so that's what there was right and that's and that's great so those those two fellows really stood out i think our like the the ones that cracked us up a little bit were was John Tamkin of Mission Models, because he would get super, like, super pumped talking yeah. about his, and, and people rave about this paint, right? Like, it's sort of, you got to follow his method to use the product, and then you get these amazing results. And that seems to be what I've been hearing from other people. And, but he would do this, he would, he'd be like, gotta try these paints. <laughs> They're so good, you'll never go back. And I actually had, he's just passionate, right? He's whacking the table. And I actually had Stuart, Stuart lives five minutes away from me. So at one point we were trying to figure out some of the quality issue, like the connecting and not sounding fuzzy. I'm like, just come over at eight o'clock. We'll have a coffee or a beer or whatever. And we will record it together in the same machine and try and balance some of that out. So we're sitting here listening to, to, to John talk about his ideas and what he's trying to do with paint for, and make it such an easy thing for modelers. And we're like, laughing and cracking up and trying not to let it like come over the <laughs> interview we didn't want him to we think we were laughing at him but like he he was what, just so yeah. what a great story that's that's yeah. awesome you, you was, know what's awesome and, and it's coming through loud and clear with you is i think tj it was you that said that what you love about this podcast is you get to talk about something that you love. And yeah. Anthony, it's pretty apparent that you're passionate about what you do and your hobbies and the people that you've met. When people are passionate, it's not hard to get them talking and yeah. and, to sh and to share things and have it be really compelling. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I'm, I'm hopefully shooting for that, right? I was, I'm not a really great like computer guy. I, I don't post enough and I, I'm really terrible like updating a website. But when Stuart was like, I really want to talk to these people. I'm like, well, give me that. Let me see what I can do. And I started to reach out. I forget what we had first, but John Moscato was one that he was like, I just want to talk to people who do whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I want to chat with that guy because he makes these incredible kits. They're all Macross themed. I love Macross as a, an anime and like a modeling subject. 
So we just kind of snowballed from there. And then different things would come up and we say, well, like, who are these guys? Like, who's Arma Hobbies, right? Like, they're always coming. People, like, got these kits. I'm like, let me call him and figure out what he's doing. He was a really interesting guy to talk to because he's, he's like, just like us, right? He's a yeah. huge. He's passionate. Air, yeah. But, like, he's a, I think he was a, a guy, you know, who, like, was into models and was like, well, these models are not good enough. I will make a better model kit, right? Like, that's yeah. on a different plane. Exactly. And uh, and he's doing it. Well, tell us a little bit about Goodman Models and your your products that you make and that you sell. <laughs> I'm it, it's kind of, it's a side gig for me, right? Some people might know whatever. I'm I'm, I'm a plumber, is a day job, right? And the the Super Saiyan blocks sort of came about when you're. I used to kind of have the most basic palette of tools. You know what I mean? Like not good tools. I had a pair of cheap nippers and like an Exacto and some whatever the glue was and uh some like rough sandpaper probably the stuff meant for like wood woodworking and you'd roll it up and you know i just wasn't i wasn't getting i didn't know a lot right and i was not getting the results that i was seeing around the you know the internet or whatever in in certain book publications and i was like man how do i like you gotta you have to go to clubs right i had to go to clubs to learn and see the kind of more senior guys working and get tips and then come back and try and process that and like practice it and see. I started to learn, it's like, you know what, if you need better tools to push, push the boundaries a little bit, right? One of the things, one of the problems I was having was that I was trying to scratch build stuff because I was doing a lot of Mecca where it's like, I want a variant and I'm going to have to do a little bit of kit bashing or a little bit of like scratch building modification to kind of get the ones that I wanted. Right. Like I did a, a GM, uh, the light armor variant, which like you can see in a, it's in one of like the books, but never appeared in an anime, never had a proper kit release. I don't think it has yet, but just, you know, just some little changes. Right. And I'm trying to use the sandpaper and I'm rolling over the edges and, uh, I'm sanding stuff and it's not, it's not coming out like straight or level. And, you know, it's just, you know, it wasn't really getting anywhere good or what I could do just took so much effort because there's a lot of like back and forth. Like I'd go too far and have to build up a putty and try and get that edge again. Yeah, exactly. I think, I do think that modelers have been gluing sandpaper to stuff for as long as modeling has been a thing. Right. But, you know, I ended up seeing, this idea and seeing how that could really help me kind of like really get some precision when I'm sanding something down. If I had a hard surface sander, because it lets you feel what you're doing and it keeps everything straight. It lets you stay on an edge and keep it the way you want. And you're not like rounding over the curves. You're not sort of like, if you have like a soft, some like, and I'm not saying soft sanding sticks aren't good and that I, I do use a ton of them. And all the varieties of stuff, it's all like it has its place. But for certain things I was trying to shape, I was getting like weird, you know, inconsistencies. I'd get one high side and then another low side and be like, oh, how do I fix that? There's a lot to be said for products that are born from actual modeling yeah. experience. Exactly. So that's where these things kind of came in where it – because a lot of things, even though they may look hard and rigid, they're not. They, like even wood. Like you take – that's a classic trick, right? Woodworkers, you you cut a block of wood, you you glue your papers, tape it on, or whatever it is you're doing. But even wood has a certain amount of give to it. It's just kind of like microscopic. 
and yeah. uh, the plastic just was kind of like an elegant solution. And and I just thought, man, like I was at a club meet, I was using a set, and the guy beside me says, like, where'd you get those? Like, get me a set. And I said, well, I made them. I was like, well, make me one then. So I did. And then, uh, you know, and originally I had a partner and, and that, that was kind of a short lived thing. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to just make a go of my own on my own and see how I, I did. And it was interesting because it was a big, it was a huge learning thing. Like all the stuff, like there's so many elements when you think about a product, right? Like it's got to have packaging. You got to be able to send it to people. You got to meet people and go to shows and vend at tables. I never did any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't even well, know about. <laughs> how do uh, people uh, take a look at your products and order those? Yeah. So uh, what I ended up with was I got a set of six sanding blocks and they're rigid and they're double sided and they all have wet, dry paper now. And I sell them in a set and I have a website. It's called goodmanmodels.com and you can go there and you can buy like a single, you can buy a set. I got that launched, I think, two years two years ago I've had the webs or maybe a year. It took me a long time to get that going because there was a bit of a learning curve there. And I also recently uh, partnered up with uh, another fellow, Sean Thomas of Sean's Custom Model Tools, and he's, he 3D printed me a stand to hold your blocks upright. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know what? It was actually Stuart's idea. Stuart's like, you got to – you need something else. You need. And I'm like, no, that's this is yeah, this dude, is it. Don't, <laughs> now don't give Stuart too much credit. He might want you know some of the profits. <laughs> Stuart got it. Stuart got the first one printed, I think. All right. But uh, okay. um, yeah, it really was Stuart's idea. He was kind of he's like, oh, you know, you gotta add something. I'm like, man, I don't want to add anything. I'm already working too much. And then, but he sort of he sort of talked me into it. And I said, well, I know this guy. He was doing 3D printed tools. He had his own sanding stick. And I met him at a show and I said, man, I'm doing this podcast. Like I will, we'll give you a, we'll give you some uh, hype on it. Right. And just help you out. And he's like, yeah, take, take some of my stuff or whatever. And then we use it as prizes. That was, I think it was the very first prizes that we were, I love giving out prizes. I think it was another thing. I was like, Stu, we got to have prizes. Or I think we had sanding blocks, but the first like other uh, manufacturer or whatever, or, you know, outside of ourselves was uh, with Sean. You know, and he kind of finally was like, you got to do this. And you know this guy. And so I said, well, can you whip it up for me? And the guy in an hour, like I sort of had in my mind what it needed to be. And just yipping all over the phone with Sean, he had kind of whipped up a drawing and then was like, okay, I'm going to make you one. It'll be ready tomorrow. <laughs> and I got it. I was blown away because like I definitely have a bit of a, I know I showed you my shop earlier and it's like just a pig's eye right now. And the listeners can't see that, but you can imagine. But I do love organization and and tool like setting up your tools and having things kind of in reach, having your all your stuff cataloged. I like all that stuff, right? For figuring out your workflow. I got that super stand and I put the blocks on it and I was blown away by how much I loved it. I couldn't. I was like, man, this thing is so cool. And the fact that it was like 3D printed, which we've been talking about, and I think we're all starting to see how that's coming into the model world, like as builders. All right. Well, one more time. So goodmanmodels.com yep. and uh, people can order there. And uh, I think you ship every other Friday, right? Yeah. I used to kind of do it every other day or something like that. But just to uh, just with the whole COVID-19 outbreak, I'm trying to keep things a little bit more regimented. So uh, if anybody orders, you can order anytime you want. And you can, you can check out, there's a video on there that kind of talks about them a little bit and just shows you some of the cool things you can do with them. But you can really get some nice precision 
and it does help you clean up things fast. And the grits I've included kind of work for modelers. It's to help with if you have a resin kit, and sometimes the, the resin pieces are like embedded in like a shroud of resin. And so you, you I've got an 80 grit block in there that lets you like clean those parts up really quickly and then it go up to 600. So if you really want to polish something up, you know, if you do a little wet sanding, you can make plastic shine, right? And then you're ready for your uh, your primer. But yeah, it's uh there's some stuff on there and I want to add more. I'm trying to add more of my own completed projects in the model works page but i'm trying well, to figure out photography go. a little bit <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't know anything about that right doug <laughs> nothing at all it's hard so anthony i know you were talking about macros is that how you pronounce uh, macros, it macros, macros. Yeah. tell me about that i've i've seen a couple builds like on youtube before but i don't okay. know much about it other than they're kind of like big stompy robots yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of people were, I think Scott mentioned that he'd watched Star Blazers in the maybe late 70s. That was sort of an imported anime from the Japanese market. So what certain producers figured out was that they could buy series of pre-made shows and license them for like the States market or, or Europe or North America or whatever, right? Instead of creating a brand new show, having it animated. Um, you know, meant for kids or boys or or whatever, right? And so that trend, I think, maybe even started back in the 60s with like Astro Boy. Mm-hmm. That that was a, a Tetsuka production. It was he was Atom Boy in Japan, and they would just have to pay like for uh, the dubbing, right? Like the the dialogue and all that stuff. So in uh, the early 80s, there was a, a, a the show Macross. Uh, it's called Super Dimensional Fortress. Macross came out in, I think, 1982 on TV in Japan. And uh, that was, it was sort of like a follow-up to Gundam, like the success of Gundam, which was a TV show and then didn't do super well. But then after the show was done, the company recut it into movies and the movies took off. And then they came out, Bondi came out with these uh, model kits and the people were going crazy about the model kits. So Macross was a show that just based on the success of this, like, the term for that kind of genre was called real real robot, where it was like supposed to be a bit more realistic, a bit more grounded in reality sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so these young guys got sort of riding on that wave of success, got enough money together and put together their own production studio and got some funding to do this Macross show. I think it was very popular. It got the the next year it got a movie and it was like a much higher budget production. And since then, there's been tons of series, uh, subsequent series. So it's been, it's sort of been, it's been like a, a very enduring sci-fi kind of thing, right? And obviously, there's a huge modeling community around it as well. Uh, this guy Carl Masek, who was in the TV business in the states, he was interested in Japanese stuff, or, or I don't know exactly how he came to it, but he ended up purchasing the rights to three different series of Japanese shows that were produced by the same company so they had a very similar look but they were literally three different stories and he he did this amazing thing where he he watched them all with no dialogue and then kind of tied them together in his mind and created an overarching story and then he set about putting that out and it was robotech so 
fans of a certain age were kids and saw Robotech and were like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, like people died in it. <laughs> and yeah. It was like it was a serialized story. Right. And like the designs were really key. They're really spot on. Some of the animation is like really brutal. Some of it is just gorgeous and even stands up today, in my opinion. And my dad was an HO, or still is an HO uh, railroader, right? So he was totally into models. We were going out in the hobby shop on, uh, you know, Saturday mornings and hanging out. And but there was none of these Japanese robot kits to be found anywhere. But there were certain sometimes there were Robotech kits that pop up. So that that was a lot of people's introduction. And then at some point, you find out or you hear that. Macross is like a different show and it has nothing to do with these other chapters, right? There was the Southern Calvary, the second part, the Southern Calvary something, something, but it was just called like <laughs> chapter two, Robotech chapter two. And then there was the third show that was called uh, Genesis Climber Mospita. And that was like chapter three, the, the new era or something like that, new generation, right? Robotech. Yeah. So once you sort of like, you're like, wait a second, these are different shows. And then like, there's, there's more Macross like after what's in Robotech. And then so in the nineties, right. Sort of pre-internet, I was like, I heard about Gundam, but I had no idea what it was. I may have seen a model kit, like in a model shop somewhere traveling in a big city. Then Akira came out and it got a proper North American release. And man, I was just like, where do I get more Japanese culture stuff? Right. And, and anime movies and certainly science fiction movies. And then the internet kind of came along and you're like, oh, wow, this stuff I've heard of and like had a model kit of now I can sort of find the fountain. Yeah. So I've always been a huge uh, Macross lover. Yeah. It's been really enjoyable. And certainly the internet has really helped kind of bridge that cultural gap where you can, you can find the kits and, and they're, they're always getting better and better. So I feel really lucky that way. There's there's something else I wanted to ask you. You you mentioned something uh, before we started recording about the idea of uh, modelers, science fiction modelers, especially building what they see on screen. Like that's their goal. Now, so I'm I think there's actually like two schools of thought when it comes to this. I know a majority of modelers, especially so I'm mainly um, Star Wars modeling. Not mm-hmm. that's not all the science fiction modeling I do, but that's where I started. And that's what I love the most because I love Star Wars. But sure. I, I know in Star Wars modeling, especially there's a most people view it as I'm making a model of the studio model. Yes. Now, me personally, I think at, think of it as I'm making a model of the quote unquote real thing. So I don't. I know I personally don't necessarily get as hung up with trying to replicate all of the details of the studio model, because if you've ever seen the original studio models, they're, they're really not that good. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no khaki glass, right? (laughs) And they didn't have to be good because it was made 1977 and there wasn't 1080p 60 inch TVs. People are watching at home. It was a movie from a so, distance right yeah so With, like smoke and exactly yeah. and they blew half of them up so it didn't even really matter what it looks like anyways but where where do you fall in that oh do, man do you try to build what you see on screen or do you, you know, kind of lean towards i guess 
my way of thinking, which I, I think is in the minority, but I, I've never, that's an informal poll, so I can't yeah. <laughs> say for sure. I, I definitely have some thoughts on this, Thomas. So my, my goal with the science fiction and especially, and like, I, I guess I build all, I build more anime. I, is that its own genre? I guess, sort of. I guess sci- science fiction is a genre and then like a- animation or Star Wars or whatever is just the more the subject. Here's what I like. I really go for that idea if I want it to look like it could be real. Like there's certain things, like if you build a Valkyrie from uh, Macross, right? Like the guy, Shoji Kawamori, who came up with that, he was like trying to put together a Tomcat and like an F-15. Like it had right. it had elements of like the super fighters of the early 80s and late 70s, right? That inspired him. And you can, you can see that in so many mechanical designs from various series and movies and whatnot that there are there, there's a lot of references to like the real world right it's just like some kind of spin so i love that idea that you might look at that and be like what's that right because i've done it up fingers crossed hopefully really well and i've got good <laughs> realism and i've got nice weathering that puts it in context and i can paint figures well that you might say what what fighter is that or whatever i don't know and you're like bam it's a robot that transforms and it's also a plane because that's better than just being a plane so i love that idea even even like i just did the the quailun rao kit from moscato hobbies and i've been reading up and practicing a bunch of different weathering techniques specifically from armor guys because i ended up being the amps president and sitting with armor guys and then also aircraft guys, right? Because in my like powered armor or like a Valkyrie or even a Gundam, right? They're going to be in, they're quite often in, it's set in the earth sphere. It's in the atmosphere or it's in space. There's got to be weathering. There's got to be people fixing it. It costs money to run them all on. It's not part of the screen story. It's part of the expanded thought around it. Right. So I really try to get that idea of, it does exist. It, it's sort of theoretically exists. It has to be treated to all the same things that a real world subject would be. And, and I, I want to try and get that realism. Like even the guy who doesn't like science fiction is just into airplanes would rec- would see that and he'd be like, oh, there's exhaust staining and there's like streaking and stuff like that that he can relate to, right? He or she that you can. It gives it that sort of air of realism, even though it's like a zany totally weird 80s design (laughs) so i know what you're saying and you know what the other thing i was just thinking about the other day thinking about gundam like that sort of newer younger crowd of gundam builders who like don't paint their models right which is to me mind-blowing so what they'll do is they're they're gonna go to the shop on a saturday pick out a, a gundam kit for 30 bucks or whatever it is they're going to put it together and get a set of Gundam markers and do panel lining to give it a little bit of depth. They're going to put the stickers on. And I'm like, Bondi, why does it come with stickers? 30 years in, like, don't you know we use decals, right? Well, they put stickers in because mo- most of the buyers are just putting on the, you know, the all the all the markings and liveries and all that stuff. They're just st- sticking them on because they don't know about decals or painting. But they end up with a complete product in a month or two and go back and buy another. Right. I thought, Bondi, you guys really are the smartest. But that's not my thing, right? Like, they got to be painted. It's a model. And you can't get that realism. You can't get that 
hint of realism without painting it and weathering it and having decals and, and, and all the good stuff that is fun to do. Yeah. So I started thinking that, do I have to do the same like process to every subject? I have plenty of kits to choose from, and I think I'm going to try and do one with no painting. Sounds weird, right? But I'm going to uh, like, I'm, I've built a heavy arms. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I want to say that was the Gundam wing, right? Endless, yeah, endless, endless waltz. waltz. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know a whole lot about Gundam. I I like the models. I have a handful of them. That's yeah. One of the few that I've actually built. Um, I did not paint it, uh, mainly because I used to have a job where I would work overnight and I was there by myself. So yeah, I was time. like, oh, oh, I could bring this and just sit there and build this. So that's exactly what I did. So yeah. obviously I wasn't gonna paint it there. So I brought it home and just put it in my display cabinet and I was looking at it. You know, I use high grit sandpaper and everything, make sure it's smooth. So if I did want to paint it, it was ready. Yeah. But uh, I looked at it. I was like, you know, it actually doesn't look that bad just the way it is. Interesting. Right. Cause not, I think Bondi does that. And that is not a feature of other kit manufacturers idea of the consumer. Right. Right. Cause they're making them like they appear on the screen. But I, I thought it would be kind of a crazy challenge to like, what can I do? Like flat coating, gloss coating that those would all play into it but just right. using the plastic can i make the plastic look kind of like it has a a, a real type material yeah and you could you could still do weathering right you could well, use pastels yeah, so and pigments and all that stuff another thing i did you can definitely do it because i built a bandai r2d2 mm -hmm. at the 1 1 12 scale as r2kt the the, the pink one yes the pink one yep uh, yeah, I did. So obviously I had to paint pink because, you know, yes. that's R2D2. So I had to paint that. And then I painted the dome just because the plastic is, I don't know if you've ever seen the kit, but it's not the best metallic looking plastic at all. Okay. So I had to paint that, but I left the body white. Interesting. And and, it kind of worked, right? Oh, you know, it, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but it did win an award at an IPMS show. So I'm not going to say like, Go for oh, it. No, it looks terrible. No, it actually looked really good. And <laughs> right on. Well, you know what? Everyone all... that saw it was like, you didn't paint this white. I'm like, no, I mean, I clear coated it because it's weathered. It's, it's yeah. dirty. But I was like, yeah. no, it's it's not. There is no white paint on this model at all. Just we pink all and silver. Nice. We all got to celebrate the victories, right? Because th there's like so many missteps and failures in between the, all the ones we do get done. <laughs> well, I get you. That's awesome. But I mean, that's not the way I look at models though in general, right? right. Like, I want to paint. I want to, I want to shade. I want to play with colors. I want to model. I want to appreciate. I want to post shade. I want to do the mapping and all that. Like I love it. That's to me is all the fun stuff. Right. I always find it really weird when like, uh, when people who build like uh, real world subjects, you go to the club meet and they're like, all this new generation of modelers I'm like, man, I've been building Gundam kits like since the eighties, maybe, maybe yeah. the very, maybe the very early nineties, like that's 30 years of model building. <laughs> like, and I don't know if I'm that new generation, right? Like, but I think that, I think what I've noticed that is that that delineation is like the people who are taking out of the box and kind of working with that, what they've been given versus the traditional or the, that's what they call it. We're traditional modelers. And this Gundam is like new. Eh, it's I'm more on the approach, right? But maybe those kids or whatever younger folks who 
are watching a current Gundam show or playing video games and want to like build something with their hands, they get that far are pleased with the, a month worth or a couple weeks worth of snapping and panel lining. And then they want to maybe take it up a notch or they want to get into airplanes. So it's kind of a cool, it really, people definitely should not be thumbing their nose at it because there's a lot more, there's interest, right? And yeah, uh, it's, it's a shame that that does happen. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it at my local club and it's never, I've never been nasty about it. You know, I'm not going to say they're, they're, they're mean, (laughs) but you can tell they're like, Oh, we don't get it. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I'm, I made a, a friend of mine. I met a friend at my club named Eric, and we talked about that more than once. He's about my age, and he's a little older, so I'm in my late 30s. I want to say he's in his early 40s. So you know, he grew up with with a lot of the stuff that that you did, because I think you're a little bit older than me. Uh, and, 42. Uh, yeah. Right. So you know, we we've talked about that. That it's there's kids out there that are interested in this, and not just kids, young younger people. You know, they go to some of these meetings and these shows and, you know, science fiction is relegated to one category, but there's 10 categories of allied aircraft or yeah. German aircraft of every soft skin, open top, 70 second scale. And it's like, <laughs> allied. you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the biggest yeah. computer. You know, I've gone yeah. to IPMS shows. I enjoy them and I bring stuff if I have stuff, yeah. you know, to, to show, but how can, how can you judge in X-Wing against a, oh my goodness. you know, Enterprise. Those are two separate, two separate <laughs> things. Like oh the Enterprise, goodness. unless you're doing a damaged one, it's not going to be dirty. But if you do a clean X-Wing, no one's, you know, everyone's going to, anyone that knows anything about X-Wings is going to yeah. look at it and be like, what, did this, someone just watch this? Did they do that? Yeah. I didn't think they did that. Doesn't look right. Right. That's the other, like, and you know what, this is an interesting subject, right? Like there's been a lot of, I can tell you guys that the Wonder Festival in Kentucky that happens every year, that I, I, I'm pretty sure that the people who started that, from what I hear, this is kind of a story, I suppose, but that they were frustrated. They were all members of IPMS. They were into like figures and horror monster characters and Star Wars models and science fiction and crap from Japan. But they would go to these things and, you know, be like, I just sunk a lot of effort and money and time into this. And it's a beautiful work, but they don't know, like, how do you how do you judge a bust of Frankenstein uh, against the Starship Enterprise, against a Gundam Mecca, right? Like, there's such different, right, right classes of yeah. thing. I mean, that's like, you know, taking a tank and judging against a jet. Like, you can't. Yeah. It makes yeah, it hard. You, you can to a degree. Like sure. obviously one could be better than the other, but that's not necessarily what you're looking at when you're judging, oh, is this is this the best it could be? Exactly, um, right? So, so kind of circling back to weird Japanese stuff, I know you mentioned you had Lincoln Wright as an interview. And yeah. if anyone that listens to our podcast is familiar with Lincoln Wright, he's amazing. And he is heavily involved in Machine and Krieger, yes. which is relatively new to me. I I got into it. I want to say maybe a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, and cool. I, I think just going on a YouTube deep dive, just looking at Myling and some guys like, oh, here's this uh, Machine and Krieger thing. It's this weird robot. It's not from anything, but it looks like it should be. And I'm like, oh okay. So I, I bought a bunch. Have you have you done any of those? If you, you have. 
I, I have never built a, a, a mock kit, but I think the story is fascinating. It is. Um, uh, I don't yeah. even know the whole story. I know it's like in the future and there's a war and there's two sides. There's like rebels yeah. and some. Other I think that's everything. Yeah. But I, I meant I meant the story of oh, the models. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's um, inc- yeah, it, it started out. I don't know if you guys I've seen this and it's really fantastic stuff, too. Like, it's good. It's just amazing oh, modeling. Yeah. It started out as like a photo story right. in the pages of uh, model, model graphics. No, no, or sorry, Hobby Japan. It was in Hobby Japan in the mid '80s, and it was like created by the guy uh, Ko Yokoyama, yep. and he was like a staff modeler at Hobby yeah. Japan, <laughs> and it was like these scratch-built, uh, heavily inspired by World War II kind of design element. But just like you said, the the story is just it's just basically two. I th- I think they may have fleshed it out, but there was never like never a manga, never yeah. a just in a magazine. Yeah, and they would set up these dioramas and then take these amazing shots. And I, I got to say, actually, I'm really enamored with that uh, period of 80s modeling sci-fi uh, stuff from Japan. It's right. just like, a gl- I wish I had been there, you know what I mean, yeah. like, to see what these people were, how their creative process was. But I think the kits are fantastic. I always get a kick out of them. I just, just have a... There's only so much you can do, right? right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have to draw the line somewhere. Anthony, do you build any Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek kind of stuff, or is it pretty much all anime uh, related? Oh, yeah. You know what? I I have never built any. I've built quite a bit of Gundam, some Macross stuff, and then I've I've gotten into some real world armor. I have plans for. Uh, I want to do a scout class. The original series era ship, Federation ship, the Tokyo class. So I have I have like a resin, the pylon. I have like a, a, a resin piece for that, and I just it's a future project. But I love I love the models of especially of the the TOS right. Like I couldn't make it through the series. I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> so no, it's, I, it's okay. <laughs> it's uh it's dry, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I'm a I'm a next generation guy, so me you're too. not gonna not gonna offend me. Yeah. So I grew up kind of like I remember watching the next generation as it came out, but in pieces. I didn't I wasn't religiously into it, but it was a good show. Characters were compelling. I thought it looked great, like to my eye. And I about five years ago I went back and rewatched the entire thing in in order. I think it came on Netflix. Yep. And is. man, I, I super enjoyed it. I thought the characters were excellent. I was really well done. It was a great show. The The original series is kind of one of those iconic, the series of films people love. Uh, I just never, it never sort of, I don't know if I was just too young to catch that stuff. Like my uncle, he's another modeler in the family and he was all about Star Trek, right? And like the man from uncle and all the Jerry Anderson stuff, like the stuff that sort of, it doesn't click for me. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't, get my yeah, it's not your thing yeah yeah right like I, I think it's almost like a thing where you what you grow up with that kind of makes that impression that's kind of the when you have time to pursue passion stuff you kind of go back to that right like what what would got you as a kid yeah we are talking off air about my love for space battleship yamato Yes. And and yeah. the reboot for that. And that, you know, that's just that's rooted in my childhood. The cartoons in the 70s of Star Blazers were just 
hugely influential on me. I just thought, wow, this is so outside of the box at the time for me. I just, yeah. you know, the Blew idea, your mind, right? <laughs> yeah, the idea of creating a starship, you know, inside the ruins of the Yamato at the bottom of a dried up ocean, you know, and then heading off into space and doing battle is just, it was awesome. Without going on too far of a tangent, it's one of the things I love about anime. The animation palette for us North American consumers is fairly narrow, but in Japan, the animation palette is just, it's all, you know, there's really no boundaries. It's yeah. as, as wide as the imagination can go. It's really a treatment rather than a genre, right? Because you could, in, in Japan, it's just like a common way to consume stories is like these weekly mangas and uh, obviously weekly broadcast uh, TV shows. And it's just cheaper to produce. And beyond that, Japan has like a like a really kind of uh, wealth of history about that kind of written material and like pictorial stuff right but that like you can have they have sports dramas it's a weekly comic that you go and buy and it's super cheap and you read it and you get throw it out and get the next one and like akira started out like that in uh in young magazine it was serialized like you'd buy it and there was like it was this thick i got about an inch (laughs) inch and a half there (laughs) and it would have like 10 stories in little chapters and so akira was produced like over like 10 years or more I think by the time they started translating it and putting it out into issues in the late 80s in like the North American market, he wasn't done writing it. There was a huge gap in getting the last issues because they were waiting for them to come out in the original thing. But uh, back to that genre thing. So sci-fi is the genre, right? And then the treatment is just animation. But I'm, I just get this like I, part of it's nostalgia, right? You know, remember watching it, but. I just really get engrossed by all the colors and certainly you can do things in animation that you just probably, you know, people in the movie business can't afford to pull off right in any kind of convincing way because they can just draw it. So you really get these very creative where people are pushing the boundary of stories like you were mentioning them. Is it Yamato 2199 was the reimagining of uh, Star Blazers? Yeah, 2199 yeah. is the reimagining of of basically year one of the story. Mm-hmm. And then year two is uh, uh, 2202. Oh, okay. So like that, I have to admit, I've never seen it. But I, I hear people it's excellent. Who, they love it. And, and it's got a ton of kits. There's always new kits coming out. So that's a pretty good sign of like a healthy franchise, right? But again, you know, I, I sort of grew up with tanks and, and, you know, like I'm huge. I love the snowbirds. So I've got a couple of those. Those are very rare kits for us Canadians, very coveted. If you go on any kind of Canadian uh, model trading site, they'll be like, does anybody have a snowbird for sale? Because it's like, <laughs> I, like, why would that be out, out of print? But there was a, like an 80s release from this tiny company called Hobbycraft. And they did all kinds of stuff like uh, Canadian stuff, like the Labrador a helicopter, the Avro Arrow, right? The the Tudor, and it came out in a military version, and the Snowbird version, and they what? they went under. What happened to Hobbycraft? Yeah, are they are they gone? I, don't know. I mean, they... I gotta <laughs> find them and do an interview because I I'm like, what happened to them? I don't know. Yeah, so I definitely have a little bit of a aircraft streak, and you, you know all those guys making those series like uh like Shoji Kawamori, they're all aircraft nuts too, right? And they were seeing things at air shows or, you know, however people were digesting that that kind of world at the time and just kind of adding all those influences into their stories and whatnot. 
So, but yeah, I mean, I do, uh, I do uh, have a little, I kind of have a weird collection of stuff. I do have a lot of Gundam. I don't know why that they just, they are very, they, there's a soul, there's such a big body of work. I'm a real uh, universal century guy. So for anyone listening, the, there, there was a show that came out. It's set in the earth sphere. It takes place over one year. It's kind of like a historical kind of quasi historical war drama, right? With some science fictiony elements in it. There's no aliens, uh, which is, which I have nothing, no problem with aliens, but in this particular story, and then they were, they made subsequent series, right? That, carried on the story it was all serialized and they had the movie to end it and then they started branching out and i i'm just sort of interested in that the um not any of the alternate world stuff but the which have been very popular right and people a lot of people that like gundam wing for example came to the north american market and got translated before any of the other stuff so people that was her first exposure and it was very good. It was just like, it was just like kind of a retelling, but set in a new world. So, and it had different, yeah. Yeah. different creative people. Are you, are you a fan of Miyazaki? Oh yes. I love Miyazaki. Yeah. He, um, he has some just incredible design. I have a, a model of the Yaku Yaku that, that is kind of a prized member of my, of my collection, but that's just basically based on some doodles he did again like you were saying earlier he did some doodles in a magazine every month and they collected those and uh, made a book and and that tank was just based on one of those little doodles so it's all you know a little cartoon doodle of a tank was that the piggy tank the, the yeah. kit had all the yeah. pig the pig army <laughs> yeah the, the, you know the awesome. tank the tank is like a homogenization of like a world war one and a world war two tank you yes. know, it, 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 it's very reminiscent of the, I call them land battleships, but like the, yes. the yeah. French Charby one and the yep. British Mark one through Mark four, World War One tanks, those, those kinds of designs. Um, Just, you know, move the pigs over to the corner. I don't do those. <laughs> I guess, I suppose you can imagine it any way you want a little bit. Yeah, that I, I, I'm a huge Miyazaki fan, but you know, I've never built any models that year. It's funny. I, my, so what am I working on right now? I'm working on. To give you an idea, I, I'm doing a 72nd Valkyrie to go with the Quaidlin Rao kit. I'm going to do a max TV type. I am working on – also, this is for John. I'm working on one of his Gabriels. I'm almost done, and it's in the Red Murdoch. You may have heard me talking a little bit about that. That's just about yeah. to wrap up. I also have a – it's uh, the Trumpeter 35th scale Type 89 IFE. And so that's like a current uh, – it's the Japanese uh, – infantry support vehicle or infantry yeah. fighting vehicle that 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 was kind of a whim but i'm i'm interested in japan right and i kind of i'm interested in the, in the, the japanese self-defense force i'd like to do the 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 type 10 tank their their, their new mbt to me yeah. yes I'm, I'm getting tired of these uh dog kits that suck your soul just to get them done <laughs> <laughs> i want to build a champion kit but after that you know, the other, we haven't talked about this, but uh, you know how Stuart, he kind of runs me up a little bit. And he's like, it's it's Goodman Heavy Industries. Well, my other favorite series, you guys might recognize, like, that he's just riffing on it, right? Like Mitsubishi Heavy Industries or perhaps Shinohara Heavy Industries. That's ringing any bells from Pat Labor. I love Pat Labor. I'm a, that might be my favorite animation series. 
and I haven't done any kits yet. And I have a bunch of them, and um, I'm really pumped. I'm hoping to get into uh, start up one of those projects, but I got to be careful, right? I I was for a long time. I was very very diligent. I only did one kit at a time, no matter what roadblock. <laughs> and I was very oh, I was really frustrated. The guys started calling me. Uh, there was one when I was attending the ITMS regularly. We had one pretty senior member he'd been along he's uh, just a just a terrific modeler winning he's winning at nationals that kind of he's just been doing it for a long time and knows what he's doing and very always stays up to date and he gave me the nickname agony because i was always coming from like <laughs> what like what am i doing this is not looking right <laughs> what am i doing and he gave, you know he's one of those guys that gives you he's like well this is what you got to do and you're just like oh my goodness like i see and i can move on to the next step Agony, what you working on now? What are you doing with this purple robot? <laughs> okay, so uh, TJ, I'm going to start with you, but uh, we, we talked about this a little bit in episode two. Anthony uh, didn't hear that. So uh, let's talk uh, sci-fi kits, your most wanted sci-fi kit that we don't have right now. TJ, what, do you, what what's yours? So it, the last episode I mentioned the shuttle from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. The Imperial shuttle. The so Tidarian? Yeah. So I know that there is a kit of that, but it's also older Girl. than I am. And MPC. Uh, <laughs> MPC or, yeah. It'd be it'd be rough. it'd be a rough go. You'd have to do all kinds of work. Yeah. yeah so I I would yeah. love I would love to have that made by Bandai. One seventy second scale if possible. It'd probably be really big, tall, because yes. I know it's like that big sail on the top pretty it'd much. It'd be huge, yeah. It, you know, knowing them, it would probably be 144, yeah. which would be okay because I have most of the, I think I have most of their one 144th kits. So yeah, I think that's that's my number one. Uh, then I was also thinking I would also like a tie bomber because oh, that's very cool, yeah. you know yeah. it, it's weird because they've made kits of some of these other vehicles that have almost no screen time, but the tie yeah. bomber actually has. A decent amount of screen time. Yeah, it's that whole dogfight, right, in the asteroid field with the uh, with the Falcon when they're escaping. So, no, the the bomber isn't mm-hmm. fighting them, but the the bomber's oh. flying and it's dropping the bombs on yeah. the, the asteroid, which you know that doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. <laughs> it makes How perfect you... sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I never questioned that at all. <laughs> that, that I I would like one of those. And now that I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking bomber, I do like. So I'm I'm a fan of the the sequel twil- sequel trilogy and I have no problem admitting that I know they're divisive. I like all three movies. I don't like all three movies equally, but I enjoyed all three. You're talking and, seven, eight, nine, right? Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, more the recent. Yeah. yeah. I like the Resistance Bomber from the beginning of. Oh yeah, those are uh, super cool. The Last Jedi, and again, that would be. Such, so a awesome. B, such a B such a B twenty nine vibe. That I know. Cool, yes. Cool yeah. The, uh, the like cockpit. lumbering along. Yeah. Uh, in the in the ball <laughs> turrets was that was just awesome. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Would, oh God, I would kill to have one of those. They're so yeah. cool. Even now, though is that a big, terrible. They well, just they shot down. <laughs> they didn't make it right, but they no. lost their fighter escort. So you yeah, know, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Good choice, Thomas. All right, yeah. Anthony. What about you? Oh guys, I uh, I try not to wish for stuff that isn't there to avoid heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, but I you know there's thoughts that creep in my mind. I would really 
I, I think my favorite mecha design of all time, arguably, is uh, the Helldiver Labor from Pat from uh, Pat Labor. It's just a great. It's very gritty, realistic. It was that uh, airborne trooper military military style labor. And there, in, in 1989, there was a one to 60th scale kit, which was very interesting and innovative for its time, but pretty rough too. And I have a stack of them. But I would love to see that in 35th scale. And oh, wow. You, that would be big. Yeah. If you guys recall, like about 10 years ago, Bondi actually put out, they called them master grade labors. They were 35th scale, but you got you got the unit one, two, and three. There was the unit one with the reactive armor. And then they did the Griffin in the, like there was the flight type and then the regular, regular type. And then the, the series like died. They were actually, they were, they were good. They looked good. They were, the scale was 35th. So, I mean, you could obviously find lots of great figures. They had a lot of cool engineering to them. They were kind of a weird plastic, but other than that, I have a couple of them. I haven't finished one, but I did assemble one and they were great, but no, why not the Helldiver? It's such a great, it was a cool design. Obviously it's a nod to the, you know, the American Navy plane. And recently, another company called uh, Good Smile Company in Japan, for whatever reason, they got the license. They're doing a new 1 to 60th scale of the uh, Helldiver. I got a couple on order. And there's scenes of there's scenes of this thing like being dropped out of airplanes and like fighting in the jungle. It's so cool, right? It's just and it's from the films, which had a very high production. Pat Labor one and I think Pat Labor two, but 35th scale would be great, right? So I I I'm not gonna say I'm a huge diorama guy, but I love to put the the, the models on a on a base because you get then you get the chance to play around with like landscape and you could do water, like all these other weird little snow right like there's opportunities to do kind of different stuff so 35th scale man you can get accessories figures you name it so the hell diver that's a that's a in, pretty that's a pretty cool choice in 35th scale that's the because there yeah. we have that original 60th scale and then like the yeah. you know the, there's up it's coming out next year as 60th scale so i'm sure it'll be great it'll be engineered well and it'll be a real treat i'm looking forward to that where can our listeners see some of your models that you've built uh, well, I do um, I do get some stuff up in – so I'm working on a model works on – at GoodmanModels.com. So it's got my Aliens APC in it right now. I got to put up in our series. But I try to get some stuff out on the uh, Scale Model Podcast Facebook page. We'll, we'll okay. try and – we try and uh, uh, pump some updates on there once in a while. And uh, I, I'll, I usually put some stuff on the Goodman Models Facebook page too once in a while as things come up and – you know, I'm just trying to figure out a little bit more photography stuff and get some, just build up a little bit better quality with that. And then I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, do more, actually post more <laughs> finished projects. Yeah, there is stuff there. I'll send you guys a few pics. Uh, what about Moscato models? You have, you have pictures over there of some of your work of his products? Yeah, I have sent him. Now the the Quailun, so I had two projects for, for John, the Quailun Rao. And that's done. And I, I did a pretty decent photo gallery of that. And that has been posted. So you can find that on um, like on the Scale Model podcast. It's out there. And I know John shared it as well. And then the other one, the Gabriel, that's sort of still – I've dropped a few like teaser pics because we were talking about Murdoch color schemes on um, on the podcast. 
And uh, so I dropped a few pictures just kind of in, in progress shots, but I don't like to show too, like, I don't want to get too crazy because then there's no fun, right? When you see the reveal, but you know what? I'm also, that being said, I am happy to, if people have questions about what I'm doing, I, because I've always loved to ask people like, what are you doing? How did you do that? What did you use? So I certainly don't hold anything back if people want to know kind of what I've been experimenting with and trying to do for sure. So just reach out and ask. I'd love to chat for sure. All right. So I, I do have a question for you. Yeah. It's about the APC. Oh, yes. What kit is that? Is that, that is... the, the original Halicon? <laughs> Like Al- ancient one? Alcyon, yeah, the, the Alcyon or, one. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God, that kit. I should preface this because I really want to find somebody who worked at Halcyon and interview them. But that kit was a piece of garbage, yeah. and it was like so pure torture. It's. I'm looking at your pictures right now. It's it's pretty awesome. I also noticed it's got a M60 engine back plate on the back of it. I never noticed that before. It's flipped it's flipped around. Yeah. I cut I cut it in half and then rotated it. Okay. That came that came from my buddy Don. I and he's an armor aficionado. And he brought over this like half built just the bottom hull of an M sixty thinking like would this part I think I lost something and he's like would this look close <laughs> enough that you could do it? And I'm looking at I'm looking looking at the back end thinking, oh man, that's some like that's a really impressive grill. Yeah. I'm taking yeah. I'm taking that <laughs> It's a pretty cool piece, and it it fits so good on that on that model yeah. too. It's awesome. The problem well, the, with the lighting is is amazing, and your oh, chipping you. your your chipping on it is really good too. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, I was really inspired by Mike Rinaldi, and I did it all. The chipping is all painted. I had tried I had tried some sponge technique on an earlier Gundam build that turned out really great. Like I wasn't just getting it, you know, it wasn't kind of happening when I yeah. came back to it. So I thought I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the brush again. And it, then I was starting to get exactly what I wanted. And it was like, it was fun. I got to tell you guys that plastic, man. Oh, it's that uh, terrible. Like, yeah, yeah, I've heard horror stories riddle. about that kit. I don't, I built that as a kid. So I got that from the hobby shop in, in my town when I was 14 or something. And I loved it because I loved aliens put it together. I don't know how I did that because it was so hard. The second go around, like the instructions don't really reflect the parts you get. And you're kind of putting the, the hull. I'm talking about the, uh, the front end of the hull it has all those wedge angles. Half of that is all styrene. Like I knew what it should have looked like. Right. right. And I knew I could rebuild whatever I needed to. And I did use a lot of sheet stock. Like I, re- I replaced the windshield and then, um, I knew that I wanted to do not the one from the film. Right. I wanted to do something like in country. So I had this idea that, well, like if that had, if that story had taken place, you would see these APCs in action loaded up with gear. Right. right? And, and, you know, trucking around somewhere. And and I just wanted to explore that kind of idea. So I set it, I mount, when I mounted the base, I actually put a little label and I loaded for bug. Once I got the hull together, like I had to add, I added spars inside and I knew I wanted to do, I cut the engine, like it just had molded engine detail. I cut it all out and put in like a scratch built engine. I sort of like, it's a weird thing, right? Like when you get these science fiction vehicles, there's often a lot of like care and deta- detail in put into like the backstory to kind of make it feel real, right? Like even for the people mm-hmm. who are working with it. And I was looking at that thing and they had a diagram of like the inside. I'm like, it's right to the walls. It's crew cabin. I'm like, well, where's the, 
where's the gas tank where's the transmission where's the motor where's where's anything <laughs> because they have like they had like all these seats right to the edge and stuff so i'm like all right well there's going to be variants right and so i kind of put the motor like a scratch built motor which was a lot of fun to do in in behind the grills and, and i knew i wanted to put a, a a figure in it and i've had do you guys remember the classic dragon figures from the 90s mm-hmm. and they had quite a few like modern era figures as well as like world war ii but they had a they had a set of uh vietnam era figures and i had that pilot set there was a set of pilots and it was an they're awesome figures like even today and like that's i, I held on to those for years and i was like one of those helicopter pilots is going inside <laughs> this apc just just turned out perfect that gear Jim Cameron used in um, Aliens, the Avatar, you had a lot of kind of the similar themes like those copters and, yep. you know, those big armored pieces and loading tractors. And there's yep. some really cool gear in that movie, too. Yeah, like excellent design work. And I know that there's interviews with him sort of saying that he wanted to he wanted to incorporate the design elements of war or sort of Vietnam era U.S. gear and and kit and and machines and whatnot in, in those designs and, and like they're just so they're so classic but that was a hard kit so i had to add spars to keep the shape and like it did not want to glue together it's one of those things where i had like 10 rubber bands wrapped around i was like I was holding it you know like this i need this much <laughs> pressure on this side and not that much on the other side and it might come out as a box <laughs> every and, clamp every clamp you own on yeah it. me sitting there holding my breath but the, the the cool thing about that kit too was that it's basically an empty box. So I was like, I need to light it. Like, why not, right? And yeah. I got a lot of help from my buddy Murray Press, is a fellow club member and and a longtime model builder and electronics whiz, and he helped me kind of get past the hump of using a battery and one LED. <laughs> so thank you, Murray, <laughs> for that. Well, this has been great, Anthony. Why don't I, you know, I don't want to monopolize your whole night here. PJ, anything else that you want to ask Anthony? So nothing, I can't think of anything else I want to ask, but I would like to go back and amend my answer to what kits I would like in science oh, fiction. Oh, let's hear <laughs> because it, PJ. Now, now we started looking at your APC. I want, I want another APC. Oh, how about the dropship drop too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want a dropship and I want a... Like how do you I don't know Sulaco Sulaco oh uh, Sulaco yes yeah. I love the Sulaco uh, I want one of those and uh, and again I know mm. there was there was one but yep. there it was impossible to find and then then when I was thinking about it I would also really like because they're very similar the Pillar of Autumn the USN UNSC Pillar of Autumn from the Halo video game oh yeah okay it's, it looks very much it's I think heavily inspired by that but uh, that's also a very cool looking yeah. uh, you know big frigate looking ship that i think would be yeah. awesome it kit i saw so, the sulaco uh, recently and uh you know I, can i tell you guys a quick story before we wrap it up you, you uh, bet you s- bet some you somebody may relate with this and enjoy it the drop ship has been a grail kit for me i never had as a kid i always thought it was the coolest thing i got the apc because i it would happen to be available I think I had my 30 bucks of birthday money or something at the time. And, you know, I was happy, but I really, really wanted the drop ship. And it was just not, not to happen. Right. I was at Wonderfest in 2006. And at the very end of the 
the weekend in the vendor hall, people were like cleaning up. And this guy walks out with this like giant cardboard box, plunks it down, opens it up. And it's bagged versions of the drop ship, like no decals, no uh, instruction manual. I think they were like shot off. Aoshima got that mold or something. And they were 20 bucks. And I had spent oh. all my money. Oh. And I was like, yeah. I got enough model kits. I don't really want it. Oh. <laughs> and I don't regret a lot of stuff. Like I've got tons of models. Modeling has been great. I've had stuff, sold stuff, traded stuff. I don't really worry about it too much, right? But that was one thing. I was like, man, 20 bucks. That's an amazing deal. So fast forward to uh, last year, I'm thinking about the the dropship, right? And I'm start. You you can see it around, right? And it's like it's worth $200. Yeah, yeah I've seen a few on eBay that I've almost, almost pulled the trigger on. Like it's it's just obviously it's rare. It's kind of iconic. Anyway, I'm I'm at I'm at the Heritage Con show, which is our our big show. I think it's probably the biggest show in Canada. It's awesome and the one we go to every year. Stu and I and all the guys. I'm walking there and no intentions to buy kits. I think I was vending. And I was in there a bit early, and I'm walking by and I look over and there's the APC sitting there. I, I mentioned I already built this as a kid, right? So like I don't have that much novelty. I knew what it was like. And I just kind of pick it up, and man, the flood of nostalgia, and the price was $45. <laughs> and I looked at the lady, and I said, well, like, would you take 40 <laughs> And she said, sure. So I bought this kit. <laughs> and the crazy thing is I went home and started working on it that night. I was kind of like in already thinking about the dropship, and you know what I mean? So I was just like uh, ready. I was pliable. The same people, the same – it was a lady – and her friend, and they were, I think they were, it was like an estate sale kind of thing. Her husband's collection of all these co- cool, random stuff, all really neat stuff. And they were super friendly. And I keep seeing them over and over at different shows. And I saw them again. And I'd finished the APC and I brought it out to a show. They remembered me. And they, I was looking at the Sulaco kit. And it it's actually boxed from Alien 3. Like it has that. Mm-hmm. logo on it but even though i don't know like i guess it appears nearly three but i had there like, could i look at this and and they let me look through it. it looks pretty decent but i said oh i finished the thing i bought from you last year and they're like and they remembered me and they're like oh yeah that's right and they they loved the little guy <laughs> did a little pilot a driver i suppose a little guy in there because they weren't like model nerds right they were just sort of cleaning up a bit but uh that's my story <laughs> yeah so uh bandai if you're listening some Aliens models would be nice. <laughs> It'd be a good seller, right? Oh, I think Hard it would. We'd all Hard buy at least two. Yeah. <laughs> I never got to vote, but um, I'm a Battlestar Galactica guy. Yeah. So uh, an original series Galactica shuttle and wow. uh, and also the little land ram, you know, the tracked vehicle, the Thiokol snowcat that they, you know, boxed up and uh, put a laser cannon on the top. Those would be my two uh picks. Oh, my goodness. I'm just yeah. looking at that right now. That's tr- that's yeah. terrific. That's pretty cool, huh? Well, Anthony, th- thank you so much. Um, this is awesome. And and just to reiterate, uh, you you always have an open invitation to come yeah, I, anytime you want. That'd be that'd be great. Call me up when he needs. If you need, you got nobody else, I'll come on and I, I'd be happy to. Yeah, it was a real pleasure uh, talking, especially you know with some fellow sci-fi fans. Like anytime. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, invite you to drop some pictures of those models on our Facebook page if you'd like. Anytime we can help you move uh, some of those sanders as well, we'd love to do that. Yeah, thank you for having me on and best of luck with the new podcast endeavor. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Uh, TJ, anything else? Oh, just uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, it's great. Anytime, guys. Really. really Anytime you get to you get to nerd out on stuff, it's always going to be a good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. As we get to wrap this up. Um, We want to remind you, listener feedback is always welcome. We want you to become a member of the posse. The posse. Yeehaw. Uh, Share share your feedback on our episodes. Let us know what you think. You might even end up on a future podcast with us. How would you like that? We want to hear from you. We really, really do. What you like, if you have questions for us, if you have answers for us, suggestions, whatever. We're always open. So give us a holler. Awesome. Where can they leave that feedback for us? You can leave it on our Facebook page or email us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. And I'd like to remind everyone to visit the other fine quality scale modeling podcasts, specifically On the Bench with Dave, Ian, and Julian. They just uh, released episode 93 of the finer details, pushing ever closer to episode 100. And um, I know that's going to be a good one. I'm really looking forward to that. You got Plastic Model Mojo with Dave and Mike. They just released episode 20, and it was about the T34 Enthusiast Group, which is uh, pretty cool because, you know, everyone loves T34s. And then there's also, of course, Scale Model Podcast with Stuart up in Canada. And Anthony Goodman is still working with him doing interviews, and their latest one is Kate from Tested. And I believe she used to work for ILM, and she's working with Adam Savage's Tested. So you can find her on YouTube and she's a very talented model builder. That was a great interview that Anthony did with her. A lot of fun to listen to. If you wouldn't mind, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, Um, especially if you can leave us a five-star review, that really helps our podcast be more searchable and reach even more listeners. Uh, We really appreciate it. The support you guys have given us so far has been really, really terrific. So we appreciate that. TJ talked about uh, listening to our uh, sister podcast. We really appreciate your support of them. They're just terrific and, and they've supported us as well. Well, Another great episode in the books. Hopefully you guys are enjoying what we're doing. Uh, continue to send us your feedback. Uh, we want to support those local hobby hobby shops. So send us your hobby shop shout outs. Um, we want to do everything we can during this uh, crazy year to make sure those brick and mortar shops get our support and anything we can do to help is uh, what we want to do. So we'll see you guys again in two weeks. We have some pretty exciting guests coming up and I know you're going to enjoy that. So talk to you later, Doug, TJ. Thanks a lot. You guys we will talk to you soon. All righty. See ya. Have a good one. Bye.